Welcome to the All Saints Anglican Cathedral Sermon Podcast. For more information about this resource and many more, visit allsaintsamesbury.org. Enjoy! Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. As we enter a new year, I have felt challenged as a historian to make my preaching and teaching more media savvy. Um, And so I want to start out on a good note here uh, as we begin the year, and and I decided I I would start slowly. I I wouldn't go into social media and stuff like that. I'll I'll start with TV. So I thought, well, how can I help this message to engage with, you know, some of the current things in television? And so, you know, I watched some programs and things and did a little research, and, and, and I discovered that some of the most popular television programs are game shows. So I thought, why not see if I could work a game show in it? And and since I'm a historian, I went to probably the the granddaddy of game shows, Jeopardy. So we're going to start out, and and I've asked Father Nathan to channel his inner Alex Trebek. And and I'm going to play a little uh, uh, Jeopardy here. Uh, Now, for the sake of time, this is church Jeopardy, okay? For the sake of time, we only have one uh, category that I'm going to be working on. And if you know Jeopardy, you know, you get the answer and then, uh, or the answer is revealed, and then you're supposed to give the question. So we see that, that our category is biblical knowledge epiphany. So, uh, Okay. Well, they, they just heard the gospel, so yeah, they, they know. It's like when the wise men come. The three, three okay. okay, okay, so you're ready to play. I'm ready. Choose your first answer. Biblical knowledge epiphany for 100. Okay, the answer is there were three of them. There were three of them. Oh, man, this is going to be the easiest 100 bucks I ever earned. <laughs> Who were the wise men? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Oh, what do you mean? One, two, three. What do you mean it's incorrect? Well, um, the correct response is, how many gifts did the wise men give Jesus? The Bible does not say how many wise men there were. There might have been two, there might have been 20. Remember, the category is biblical knowledge. Okay, okay. <laughs> biblical knowledge... Epiphany for 250. Okay. The answer is the place where Jesus 
was. Okay, uh, what was the stable? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Okay, what was the manger? Wait, uh, well, I, I, I'm sorry, that's also incorrect. Um, Matthew 2, verse 11, if you were listening carefully, says that uh, Jesus was in a house. Um, It may have been up to two years after Jesus was born that the wise men visited, and it certainly wasn't the night of his birth when the shepherds came. Okay, okay. This is a tough one. So, okay. Uh, Biblical knowledge epiphany. 500. You, you mean biblical Biblical knowledge. knowledge. I, I got epiphany. it. I got it. It's what's in the Bible. Okay, okay, and I'm not going to pee. You ready? Yep. yep. <sighs> the names of the kings in this account. What were their names? Account. What were their names? Uh, uh, who, 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 uh, who were Gaspar, uh, Melchior, and Belshazzar? Well, I'm sorry, that's incorrect as well. Uh, the names have been attributed to the wise men, but the answer mentions kings, and the Bible, nev- the Bible actually never mentions the wise men kings. They were more like astronomers. They really didn't rule over anything or anybody. Kings, king. Oh, oh well, uh, ma- 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 Matthew 2, verse 3, King Herod. King who, Herod. Who was King Herod? Okay. Uh, that's, that's, that's one of them. That's one of them. Who is the other one? Um, I'll give you a little time extension. Um, oh, there's only one king mentioned in that. I, I give up. Oh. Oh, shall, well. we give, shall we give him his 500 bucks? <laughs> Thank you. And Thanks can, for playing. And you can remove that. Well, uh, you may have been surprised uh, about what the Bible doesn't say uh, about Epiphany. Things that we've associated. But what's even more surprising is what does happen in the Scriptures that would have been incredibly surprising to the people who first heard about the visit of the wise men who first heard the gospel of Matthew. And we can sum that up in two sentences. The surprise is that nobody can claim Christ by birth alone, but that everybody should be able to claim Christ by faith alone. Let's take a look at uh, that second chapter of Matthew, the first 17 verses of that. And look at this surprise visit and the surprises of salvation involved in the visit of the Magi. The first thing that would have been surprising and probably a bit disturbing to the people who first heard about this is that nobody can claim Christ by birth alone. Now, for first century Jews, one of the most important things to establish about their identity is that they were a pure Israelite. And what they meant by a pure Israelite was that you could trace their heritage through their mothers. To be a Jew was to be born of a Jewish mother, uh, as well as through their fathers, all the way back with no intermarriage. 
And so very careful records were kept about your ancestry to be able to prove that you were a pure Israelite and entitled to full religious and civil rights. Uh, makes sense about why Matthew, who we believe wrote his gospel to Jewish people, begins it, if you look in chapter 1, with the genealogy of Jesus. They were saying, here is Jesus. He is a pure Israelite. We can trace his uh, heritage all the way back. That qualifies him as a pure Israelite to be a Messiah to come and save who? Other pure Israelites. And so as the readers of Matthew or those who heard Matthew first, they said, okay, we find out he's a, a pure Israelite and he's come to save pure Israelites and they come to chapter 2 and surprise, the first people who really begin to grasp who Jesus is, according to Matthew, are non-Jews. Uh, the, these wise men. It, it wasn't the, the biblical scholars who were looking for the Messiah, trying to figure out who this was. It was these guys from Babylon, um, modern-day Iraq, who came. To, today it would be as if somebody was asking, like, who's the Messiah? And they wouldn't come to seminary professors or priests. And I can make fun of seminary professors and priests since I'm both. But instead, it was this Iraqi international student, group of international students who were studying astronomy, who said, uh, we think we figured out who the Messiah is. And you think of the special care that God used to use what these Magi, wise men, they were kind of astronomers, astrologers who studied the stars and had a sense that what was happening in the heavens had earthly implications that used some kind of celestial event to point them to Jesus. Now, I, I just heard uh, uh, our youngest daughter, Elspeth, was visiting a, a friend of hers whose uh, husband runs a planetarium at Eastern University who is sharing about sort of a new understanding of what exactly was going on in the sky that would have given these uh, wise men, these astronomers, some sense that there was a king being born in Judea that they should go check out. And they said around the time of Jesus' birth, there was uh, an exceptional phenomenon in the sky that there was a, a, a star called Regulus that was being circled by the planets Jupiter and Venus. Uh, sort of... Uh, kind of the, uh, the pointer in the sky. Now, when you think about it, Jupiter is the king of the gods and the king of the planets. Regulus means ruler, and Regulus is in the constellation uh, of Leo, uh, the lion of Judah. So there was this sense that there's this king coming in the lion of Judah, meaning a king of the Jews. Uh, and because we know that there were lots of Jews who had been exiles to Babylon, it's very likely that the wise men had some familiarity with the Jewish scriptures and would have known about the prophecies of a coming king. And so they make their way to Jerusalem. Then, talks about the star disappearing. Well, that's because you have these planets that they were circling for a while, and then as planets do, they move around. But then the, the amazing thing is several months later, the planets come back. And so when it says, when they saw the star again, uh, that's maybe what they were describing there. But we see that God is saying that nobody comes, can claim Christ by birth alone. 
No, in, instead, uh, it wasn't the people that you expected to recognize the coming of Jesus, the, the, the scholars and the religious leaders and those. It's these, these wise men. Because everybody should be able to claim Christ by faith alone. Now, if you look carefully in this text, I'll admit that the word faith does not show up. But I think there are three ways that the wise men show a trust in God, a trust and faith and a commitment in Christ. And the first of these was by accepting the scriptures as fully trustworthy as God's word. They got the first hint that something was going on when they saw what was going on with the star, but the way that they knew to come to Jerusalem and to look for the king of the Jews was from the scriptures that they had. That they trusted those, that it was worth making this long, difficult, expensive journey from Babylon down to uh, Palestine to see if what they saw in the sky was happening on earth. Now, I imagine that they probably got some ridicule being part of a scholarly community. This is the kind of thing that scholars do. What? You're going to go to Jerusalem? To look for a king of the Jews because of the Jewish scriptures? Don't you remember that our gods conquered their gods? That we destroyed their temple? What are you going there for? They trusted what they'd seen, what they read, was worth investigating. They puzzled over the scriptures themselves and thought they would do that. So the first way they expressed their faith was through accepting the scriptures as trustworthy. The second way was through worshiping, or may have been translated as paying homage. The idea is to to bow down, and that's repeated in verses 2 and 9 and 11. Now, it's important to realize that this does not necessarily that they grasp a full Nicene Creed understanding of the deity of Christ. They recognize that there was, God was doing something special in the birth of this child. And in their, their, their worshiping, they were really kind of pledging allegiance to Jesus as their king. In presenting the gifts, this is, had the idea of paying tribute to a king. It's saying, you have authority over us now. And we're showing this by presenting you with these costly things. And then the third way that they expressed their faith was obeying God's command. Verse 12, they're being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, and they returned to their country by another route. Very surprising. Now, of course, we have to ask, why is this surprise visit of the Magi important? us. Well, friends, unless you are born of a Jewish mother, you also, like the Magi, are Gentiles. That you had no claim on the Jewish Messiah by birth. That their surprise blessing is our surprise blessing. And the way that they expressed their faith is the same way that we need to express our faith. By affirming those same realities. That nobody can claim Christ by birth alone. We can't say, well, my family, we've been believers for generations, so of course God would take me. Besides, I'm so special, why wouldn't God want someone as wonderful as I am? No. You may have heard the expression that God has no grandchildren. That we're always, every generation, needing to bring people to Christ. 
And that's where I really want to affirm our, our vestry and leadership in their commitment to reaching out to children and to youth through uh, the children's time during the worship and through other ways and being patient as we work through this because there's nothing better than to be inviting these children to come into the same kind of experience of wonder and surprise and awe to see that Jesus is for them too, that they can follow him. That's because everybody should be able to claim Christ by faith alone. And we express that in the same three ways as the wise men. First, by accepting the scriptures as fully trustworthy. In the collect that I prayed to begin, uh, makes this so wonderfully expressed. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scripture to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may ever embrace and ever hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting as we begin a new year, this is an opportunity for you individually to make a practice of reading the scriptures, of letting them go deep down into your heart, into your soul. If you haven't been involved in a home group, to study those together. I've even given you a little head start of that with some questions that you can reflect on. The, it's at the, I think it's page 19 in your bulletin. To accept and trust the scriptures even when others ridicule them, even when it might involve actions and obedience that are costly or inconvenient or misunderstood by others, just as the wise men did. The second way we express our faith is through worshiping. Certainly, uh, by being here, you've already begun that step of faith, of putting your trust in God. But, but it's involved in an attitude of reverence and uh, uh, the New International Version translation of this uh, in verse 10, which says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. That, that's kind of underplays what the, the Greek has this idea, that they rejoice with joy that was exceeding. And I think it's a combination that I hope we strive for in our own personal worship and our own corporate worship of reverent exuberance and exuberant reverence. Uh, that's what the wise men we're trying to express there. To recognize that part of our worship also involves giving gifts. Uh, we don't take the offering just to kind of cover stuff while the altar is being set. It, it's an act of worship. It, and it uh, expresses a similar kind of thing to what it did for the wise men. We are paying tribute to Jesus. We're saying, you are our king. That we're giving you part of what you have given us. And to recognize that the opportunity to give to support Christ's causes are a wonderful way to pledge our allegiance, uh, to express our worship. And thirdly, we express our faith by obeying God's commands. And I would say most particularly that command that everyone everywhere should have the same opportunity to hear about Christ, to worship Christ as we do. Because what was a, a, a bare hint in our Isaiah 60 passage of the nations hearing about Christ, what becomes a little bit more explicit at the beginning of Matthew, it becomes absolutely explicit and Jesus' final command to us as his followers in the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all I have commanded. We express our trust, our obedience, our commitment to Christ 
as we seek to fulfill that commandment. We do this by remembering that the bless emphasis that we had last year didn't end on December 31st. That we continue as we look at our own friends and neighbors and co-workers and schoolmates to begin with prayer, to listen, to eat with people, to serve with them, and to share our story. It's also a reminder of the centrality of cross-cultural ministry in our midst, whether it's with international students or English as a second language, with our missionaries in places like Uganda or Costa Rica or Australia. That's part of how we continue what began with the wise men. Now, there's nowhere where the surprises of the Magi are more apparent than here at the Lord's table, the King's table. Because nobody can claim a place setting at this table by birth alone. That we are here solely at the invitation of our host, the king himself. And so as we come before this, we come humbly. We express that in a prayer of humble access and confession. Because we're also celebrating that everybody can claim a place at this table by faith alone. That this is a time when we tangibly express that our hope, our salvation, our claim to Christ is that he alone can make us worthy to share in this. That his broken body and shed blood are sufficient to clean us up no matter how much we may have messed up our lives. It's a time to reverently thank and pay homage to Jesus as by faith we come into his presence knowing that he sits at the head table at his heavenly throne and welcomes us here. And it's a time to recommit ourselves to the breadth of this table, to see the reality of the promise, the command that Jesus gave that gives us a place as non-Jews at this table, that people will come from east, west, north, south, sit at table in the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. To find out more about All Saints Anglican Cathedral and our mission work in Amesbury and throughout New England, visit our website, allsaintsamesbury.org. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Take away the sin of the world.